All right. Thank you for joining me, guys. It is the 2-2-23 date. That's February 2nd, 2023. And we got a massive session here. 2023 will shock the world. I'm going to lay it all down here for you guys in tonight's episode. Major update coming here. And I just before we get started, I want to say that everything is over on my website. Whether you're looking to buy crypto, get a wallet, or roll over your 401k retirement account to precious metals, or get the metals shipped to your house. You know, Lynette Zhang, she was at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference saying, if you don't own it, uh, or if you don't, what did she say? If you don't have it, you don't own it. Something like that. So I partnered up with someone that will roll over your 401k retirement account, and they will ship it to your house as well. So get in touch if you need some precious metals. And also, if you're looking to get tapped in with an investment community of like-minded individuals that are taking advantage of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history, it's all over at my website, ZachRector.com. It's not hard to find me. Don't fall for the scammers. I'm not going to ask you how your trading is going, although I will tell you right now, I did enter the trading game once again, and I will tell you how that's going at the end of this session, and you best believe that we are in profit right now, absolutely. Bitcoin bull trap underway. We've been calling it, and we've been seeing it, and I just couldn't help myself. I had to partake in shorting the hell out of Bitcoin. I'll let you know how it goes. At the end of this episode, without further ado, it's February 2nd. It's the 2-2 date, 2023. 33rd day of the year, and it's been a juicy one for sure. Now, I wanted to start out this episode, though, by giving my recap of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, okay? So i had been telling you guys here, Sunday, Monday, the 29th and the 30th, I attended up north, my good friends up north of me, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Now, this was the first conference that I've ever really gone to. I mean, I've listened, I went and saw Ron Paul speak. I've gone to a few deals, right? But this was like the first conference that I've ever gone to, especially since starting on social media and making a presence of myself on the internet. And so I wanted to uh, share my experience with you guys. It was a lot of fun, very eye-opening, and I definitely learned a lot. And I think I, I definitely see the value in attending conferences like that. Um, for me, business was conducted. You best believe it. And we met some big hitters. Absolutely. And the growth of what we're building here is just absolutely massive. And it's incredible to, to, you know, when I was listening there, I just felt like I needed to be up on stage there in some of those conversations to interject some perspective for, from someone that understands distributed ledger technology. You know, here are my major key takeaways from the conference. I'll just start out by saying this. Everyone agreed on uncertainty, right? Every, everyone's uncertain about what's going to play out right now. And obviously, gold, silver, the precious metals community has, have, have been a community that questions the narrative, that prepares for the worst. And for me, I, I, I feel that it is justified uh, to recognize the uncertainty and to recognize that we do have to have more conservative plays while we go chase degenerate distributed ledger technology plays like crypto, right? But... The key thing that everyone agreed upon was uncertainty. The second part was the barbell investment thesis, the barbell investment strategy, which I've already made a couple videos on this. And I'll just explain it real quickly. You got the barbell right, and it's evenly balanced out, which for you might not necessarily be 50-50, but the point being that you're balanced out between your conservative plays and your more risky plays, your more offensive plays. And so for me and for many of the people up there, I heard them talking about how they've been building essentially barbell investment portfolios where they have their more conservative plays like stacking gold and silver, and then they have their more offensive plays where they're you know betting on the mining companies, the gold miners, the silver miners, and all the other rare earth minerals that are getting mined there. But I wanted to go through this. Uh, what happened here 
was two jam-packed days. And it started out with build a moat before you build a castle was the first session put on by Jay Martin, who was the guy who actually put this whole deal together. And I thought that he started it off by setting the tone so perfectly, basically asserting that you want to build your defenses and your gold is the moat and equities is your castle. So as I was saying with the barbell investment thesis, gold is your moat, it's your defense and then equities is your castle. And so he's talking about, you know, stocks in gold mining companies, right? And uh, one of the key things I, you know, right at the top of my notes here that I took, I took uh, so many notes. Uh, I, I picked up on right away. One of the first things that he quoted is that the world hasn't felt the full ripple effects of everything that is yet to unfold. And I just thought, how how funny, you know, the first conference I go to, one of the first things that said is we haven't felt the full ripple effects. And it's interesting to see how many people use that term now, right? And we just happen to have this little startup company out of San Francisco that's building a world reserve currency that's as liquid as a G10 currency. Interesting. And then uh, once again, we haven't felt the full ripple effects as we establish a new world order. I heard that word, that that phrase uttered quite a few times at the conference as well. As he said here, build a moat before you build a castle and the supply of everything is compromised. So it's not just uh, toilet paper. It's not just now eggs, right? We're seeing the supply chain of everything being uh, compromised. And so every single commodity is of national security interest. The game has changed. This is a transition to a real economy, but we still need some of the old resources from the old world. Although we want to go green and we want to go new and we've got an agenda 2030, right? We still need these old resources that got us through the last um, you know, 100 years, okay? And like he said, gold is the moat, equities is your castle. Now, after that, there was an incredible panel here, dollars, stocks, and gold in 2023. This one was Brent Johnson, Donnell Park, Grant Williams, and Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys. And that's what I liked about the panels that they had and the speakers that they had is they had well, very pretty well-versed. They were missing a crypto guy. They had Mark Moss up there pitching Bitcoin, which that was to be expected, right? But he was the only person up there that was really talking about crypto other than making fun of it. But an interesting panel, nonetheless, dollar stocks and gold in 2023, basically just talking about how risk on off right now is solely based on the Federal Reserve. So the, the, the space, the investments, all of the assets, whether we're talking stocks, crypto, real estate, it's all based off the actions of the Fed right now. If the Fed flips, if the Fed pivots, right, then we go bullish again. Risk is on once again. Um, but while we have this uncertainty, right, risk is off, right? And we've seen that. We've seen tech. We've seen crypto get absolutely smacked. Uh, Russell Gray suggested that they want to keep the plateau as high as possible for as long as possible. So that's in regards to the interest rates. They're going to raise interest rates here. They did it once again here just yesterday, 25 basis points, a quarter percent. They raised interest rates. And so what he was saying is that they're going to raise them as high as they can and then keep them plateaued for as long as they can. And, and that's kind of the move that the Fed is. That's all they have left to battle inflation. And they've completely, I would argue that their reputation has been damaged, right? Very, very much so. But they have stuck to the, the pace that they told us that they've going to that they were going to be at. I mean, they've been giving the markets pretty good guidance and they've been sticking to it. Now, a lot of the markets are have been in denial about that, like the real estate market, right? And that's just now coming around, right? One year later. 
But they pointed out how we have new hawkish members bragging about being hawkish at the Federal Reserve. So some of these guys, they want to really bring it on. We'll see if the, the if the hawkish uh, Fed chairs and sorry, not the Fed chairs, but the Fed governors, if they're able to finally um, bring this thing in. But we know what Volcker had to do back in the 80s to rein back in inflation, and it was nasty, and we would be dead if they did anything like that today, raising interest rates to nearly 20%. But an interesting point here was made. Danger isn't trying to run is is in trying to front run the Fed pivot. So while many people are calling the Fed bluff, and I think rightfully so, I mean, you know, at some point here they are going to have to pivot. The danger is in being too early, going leveraging back into stocks, leveraging back into crypto, trying to front run the Fed pivot, right? When the Fed, if they just keep raising interest rates a couple more times and then plateau us, and as they said at their last meeting, they have no plans of raising interest rate or, or cutting interest rates this year. So that would be plateauing the interest rates, leaving them up there, and that's going to do plenty enough damage just by doing that. I don't think it's enough to rein in inflation, but it's definitely enough to pop the bubble, 100%. Now, they point out how the bond and currency crisis isn't going away. The sovereign debt crisis and the currency crisis is not going away. And that's what, that's, that's what they were talking about. And we've been talking about this, especially over the last couple of days. Uh, you know, I just had a little debate, right? A couple of debates about the dollar reset and, you know, is the dollar going to make it? And I do believe that the dollar is going to make it. They're just going to reset it, revalue it, restructure it, our debt and roll us over to a US CBDC. I do believe that that is the plan. But in the meantime, people get wiped out. And so that's what we have to understand about this sovereign debt crisis. The only answer is for them to print, to devalue so that they can cover their liabilities and they can cover their debt. So we have to understand that that's not going away anytime soon. And I have a news piece that I'm about to share with you guys later on in this episode where China has dumped over 100 trillion, sorry, 100 billion in our treasury bills. Okay, so they're dumping our T-bills, dumping the dollar, and uh, they also don't care about using the SWIFT system either and establishing a new reserve currency themselves. And to their next point, multi-currency world. So they started to talk about how these BRICS nations, and it was a common theme over the whole weekend about how the BRICS nations are really starting, as they stick together, they start to have some leverage and they can start to make the moves. These one-off countries, you know, China, Russia, Brazil, India, South Africa, South America, these countries that are moving to the BRICS pact, uh, by themselves, they don't really stand a, a chance of doing much. But together, right, they can actually set up here a multi-currency world. And this is the interesting thing. During this time, so cash flow is key. The dollar, bond, and credit markets are what we need to watch, absolutely. And what we have is investors are happy to make 4.5% on bonds with no risk. And that's what's interesting is that some of these guys themselves being gold guys, they are holding short-term treasury bills because when when you have you know, M's in the bank account and you need to store some money somewhere, it does get attractive to only, and it sounds stupid for those of us that don't have money, don't have wealth, to be willing to lose in nominal terms, being, be willing to lose because on a 4.5% bond rate, you're still losing because inflation, the CPI lie is at six and a half percent, right? So you're still losing, but you're not losing as much as you would be by just staying in cash, right? So that's what what's getting interesting. But you've seen our bond market start, had the worst bond market in history, in history. But once again, the dollar remains the cleanest shirt in the closet. 
Now, the world holds a lot of US-denominated debt, so they need cash flow and USD. And that's the main point on why the dollar will, will still live on for a little bit longer. And that's what we've seen, right? That's what we've seen. The dollar is still hanging in there because people still need it. Um, it is still the most liquid and the most owed currency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the issue. And that's what's holding this whole thing up is that there's so much damn debt that's denominated in the U.S. dollar that it is still the most owed currency, right? And when you look at all the worldwide debt, most of it is still in U.S. dollars and the U.S. dollar is accepted everywhere. It still is the most liquid. I took U.S. cash up to Canada when I went on up there to Vancouver and you bet they accept it. You bet, absolutely, as in most places around the world do, still accept. Now, there are some, there are some that are starting to ditch it, you know? I don't know if anybody wants your dollar in Russia. But um, what we're talking about here is most commodities trade in the U.S. dollars, and we're talking compared to what? So for a lot of people, they've been you know talking about how gold still hasn't broke all-time high. Well, it has against other currencies, Japanese yen, uh, pound, and others, right? So and, and then we see currencies like the Lebanese pound yesterday uh, devalued by 90% overnight, right? So compared to what? Yes. Gold compared to U.S. dollar has not hit all-time high. We've been waiting, right? But compared to what? Compared to the dollar, hasn't hit all-time high against everything else. It's doing what gold is meant to do. And they made an interesting point about how China is starting to issue a lot of debt denominated in the yuan. And so they've seen what the United States did. The, the way that the United States was able to, you know, expand the dollar as a reserve currency was all these loans that they gave out to these countries that were denominated in U.S. dollars, whether that was the IMF, World Bank, um, or, or you know, United States commercial banks lending out and doing deals here to where they were getting more U.S. dollar denominated debt. Now, China's following that model now. And they make the point that Americans only think in terms of dollars, and that's so true. I do think that Americans don't realize how bad, and many people in the West, I would just say in general, Many people in the West do not realize how bad it is getting in some of these other countries. And we only think over here in the United States in terms of dollars, you know, um, what's, what's the price of gold in dollars? What's the price of silver in dollars? What's the price of energy in dollars? When in some of these countries, not only are they facing uh, huge price shocks from a supply chain crisis, depending on Russia, but they're also seeing it because their currencies are being devalued as well. And, you know, in UK, over 10% inflation. Okay. And they kind of finished off that first session by saying without extreme violence, the dollar won't lose reserve status. So that's kind of the big uncertainty in the room is how far will this war spread? And what reserve currency do they have work, working up there in the BRICS nations, working in the background now while they prepare to definitely position themselves in the currency war against the United States, along with the kinetic war that is happening in Ukraine. And we start to see other things as well as we're about to cover one of the first articles in tonight's show. Apparently, we have a Chinese balloon flying in the sky above the United States right now. So um, we will cover that here in a bit. Now, after that, it was a gold forecast session. And this one included Alistair, Alistair Still, Andy Sheckman, our good friend that's already been on our show, David Garofalo and Lynette Zhang. We're a huge fan of Lynette Zhang. Now, this was an eye-opening session for sure. What we saw was uh, Lynette says that they are ready to declare bankruptcies. And when she introduced herself, she says that she's just someone 
who researches currency cycles. And I think it's so important to understand that when, when we're watching a currency, uh, these cycles play through, we traded the dollar before we were on the, you know, before we got taken off the gold standard, it was still a dollar. After we got taken off of the gold standard, it was still a dollar. After we do a reset restructuring anytime now that's occurring right now, right? We're still going to be trading the U.S. dollar. It's just going to be a CBDC form and it's going to have to be restructured, revalued. Okay. But these governments are ready to declare bankruptcy. Massive drawdown at the vaults, and that's the um, LBMA and the COMEX. Okay. So we have massive drawdowns at both vaults. That was from Andy Sheckman. And Andy says that front running by the sophisticated money is what is taking place right now. So if you go back and you look at history, all, all these times that we've had these currency resets, the sophisticated money is always front running. And that's not even just for currency resets. That's always the case, right? The sophisticated money is always front running that move. And so we're seeing these, these vaults, the London's Metals Exchange and the COMEX getting drawn down to historic levels. Now, Lynette pointed that we do have a breakout on the collectibles. That's interesting. I don't, I don't do collectibles. I just do the straight, you know, bullying here. Uh, I got Buffalo heads. I got, you know, um, 10 Troy ounces here, a uh, little 10 piecer from the wall street mint. Okay. Uh, so I don't really do the collectibles deal, but Lynette did say that there's a breakout that's taking place. Now she noted too, that the, this is why the cryptos are colored gold and silver. It's a psychological thing. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like I said, crypto got made fun of most of the weekend. And once again, talking about how a lot of these coins, you know, don't have value, but the slight psychological thing, gold and silver is ingrained in us going back centuries, centuries. And there's a reason for that, right? Now, um, they say reserves down 40% from the peak in 2012 and M&A to replace depleting sources. So mergers and acquisitions are what's needed to replace the depleting sources. I covered this. We had a deficit of 200 million, and this was in day two that I figured this out. There was a deficit of 200 million ounces of silver last year, you know, supply and demand. There, there was 200 million more ounces that were in demand, but the supply couldn't meet up. That's a deficit of 200 million ounces, okay? So what did they say is going to take place is that mergers and acquisitions are going to have to take place because if you if you can't mine it, if you can't get it or you can't buy it, right? Um, right, if you can't get it, you're going to have to go buy it. You're going to have to go buy these other companies, okay? Um, right, industry is not replacing what is depleting. Barbell strategy from investors coming back into gold. Absolutely. And they note that best leverage to the gold price is in royalties. So that was something that I wasn't aware about. That's why I was excited to go to this conference was to learn about royalties on gold mines, silver mines. And um, that that's a very interesting deal there. I'll speak more on that later. But the key point that they make is that gold will be the foundation of whatever comes next. After that, Lynette stated that 304 million ounces of silver were imported by India. So India eating up the silver, right? I just, I just told you guys, 200 million ounce deficit. Well, part of that's because India bought 304 million ounces. And they talk about, Andy said that this is a rallying cry against the United States by the BRICS and all these nations that see what the Western banks did to Russia, to their assets, and they went, oh shit, this can happen to us. And so this is all based upon the rallying cry against the United States, whether it's India importing 300 million ounces, whether it's China importing and keeping all of the gold that they're mining, right? 
a record amount of imports and we can't even get true numbers out of them on how much they're actually producing. And then Andy made the point that gold is the glue to make it stick. And this was interesting. He said, whatever rises from the ashes, gold is the glue to make it stick. And we always talk about rising from the ashes. XRP is going to rise from the ashes, right? So I thought it was so interesting, right? Jay Martin starting out the session talking about the ripple effects, right? And then I, I get Andy Sheckman saying, you know, whatever rises from the ashes is going to be uh, based off gold. And I, and I couldn't agree more. There's a reason why these central banks are hoarding a record and buying a record amount of gold. And the vaults are going dry, going empty, right? So they, they note that royalty protection from production costs, okay, stable jurisdictions, right? So the, the main issue right now is that still so many countries are making it difficult for mining operations to take place. And if you can't find it, you have to buy it. That's the quote that I was looking for earlier. So that's why we're going to see an increase in M&A. Now, this is what's so interesting, guys, about this is that the lead time is 20 years discovery to production. So from when they find silver or gold in the ground... 20 years from discovery to production, guys. So this is not something that you can just go to the treasury and mint more of it, right? Or go change the code on the cryptocurrency and mint more, right? You can't do that. You can't do that. This is a lead time of 20 years to get more resources out of the ground. And this is what's so interesting about the physical metals, right? This 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 is a asset class that's been traded and you know respected for centuries for a reason and we find ourselves in an interesting predicament where the world wants more than is being produced and then the green wokey new deals are shutting down the operations and stopping um, them from going to get it out of the ground when we need it for the renewable energies that they want to go woke with that's the funny part we you know the the green new deal means we need more silver but they make it so difficult to go mine the stuff right that's what's interesting so um, they, I, I found this was an interesting quote, buy your Christmas decorations in January. And they're talking about in regards to buying these assets before you need them, right? You buy silver, you buy gold before your currency gets devalued 90% overnight. Like it just happened in Lebanon yesterday, a hundred percent inflation in Argentina, you know, something like a hundred percent, you know, inflation is taking place in multiple countries, right? So don't wait before, you know, you know, a few days before Christmas to go buy your decorations, go buy it in January after they have the overstock and they cut everything. They slash the prices on it by 50%, right? So I thought that was an interesting point. Overnight revaluation. So once again, they were talking about overnight revaluations here at this Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. And then sure enough, yesterday we get the, the, the announcement from, uh, thank you for the gifts, TikTok. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate the support. They were talking about this over the weekend, and sure enough, we get the announcement yesterday from Lebanon. Now, they asked for gold price predictions. No one was really willing to just throw out a number, but they did say, you know, most of them do think that we are going to break 3,000 an ounce for gold, which is pretty interesting. You know, not, not you know, and many of them didn't want to say that it was going to take place this year, but I think that many of them just see from a fundamental perspective, gold is going to be on its way to 3,000. And Andy made the important point that bull markets always run higher than anyone thinks is possible and bear markets always run further than anyone thinks is possible, right? So these 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 markets move much further than anyone thinks that they can go and that's in both directions. But once again, he reiterated the point that the most sophisticated money is always in the front. Then 
they finished off this session. Lynette Zhang was amazing. I really appreciate and respect what, what her message is about. And her research is top notch. She talked about, and she's so funny. Her energy is just, she's got, she's got a whole vibe about herself. Lynette said that she was digging in the Bank of International Settlements database. And I said, okay, this is going to be good. Because they asked Andy how, how many ounces, how many obligations there are per ounce of gold. So you would think, right, you know, for every one ounce of gold, there would only be one obligation. One person owns that ounce of gold, right? That's not the case. Lynette, see, Andy was in the middle of answering and Lynette, because Lynette, Andy said like, you know, probably three, 400 or something like that. And then Lynette started shaking her head. And she said, no, I went back into the BIS database from 2009, I believe is when she pulled this. And at in 2009, there was 62,000 obligations per ounce of gold. This thing's jacked up, guys. It's completely out of whack. And it's obviously suppressed. Obviously suppressed. I'm going to show you some charts here at the end of this session. But that was shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. And Lynette was so funny the way that she said that. She went back and dug in the BIS database back in 2009. And this is why it's so interesting to listen to these people speak. They're the, the, the leaders in this space. And you can see why. They're, they're doing that research, pulling up that data, and understanding just how manipulated gold and silver are. 62,000 obligations per ounce of gold. Like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I know they got derivatives. I know it's all the paper trading, right? That's what it is. But I don't know all of the different instruments that they go on and, you know, all the different representations and how exactly it's done. But that was shocking. That was shocking. 62,000 obligations per ounce of gold. Yeah, something, something's got to give. Now, after that, there was an interesting conversation from Ford Nicholson about the European energy crisis. And this was a guy who was talking about going into Europe with a massive amount of opportunity, specifically in natural gas, but just for projects related to energy because they screwed themselves over there in Europe. And, and now they're trying to ramp up production. Now they're trying to do deals. And it was just so interesting to me to, to listen to these guys who are building these natural resource companies, whether that's for natural gas, energy, gold, silver, all these metals. These guys see so much damn opportunity. While the rest of the world is in bear market recession, are we going to make it? And this is for me who I like to listen to, who I want to surround myself with, and the energy that I have as well is that I see a wide open market. And this guy, he's going in to build out projects, build out uh, natural gas and, and you know, launch and build an M&A. And, and he just talked about how there's a massive amount of opportunity and that natural gas is going to run Europe until 2050 is what he said. And so I just thought it was an interesting dichotomy there when you see these guys and the opportunity that they see versus, you know, so many other people, whether no matter what sector you're talking about, the uncertainty and, and the people that are starting to go and hide back in their shell. And, and this guy was just ready to go eat it. I mean, take everyone's lunch, literally. And so it was just interesting to see that. Now, they followed that up. They had two Canadian politicians. And one was, uh, you, know, on the, uh, you know, on the left side. And then one was more on the conservative side. I don't know what the parties that you guys got up there in Canada. One of them was Christy Clark. And then I forget the name of the other guy. But he was from uh, Saskatchewan. He was a premier from Saskatchewan. The consensus, and I'll tell you this is for sure, the consensus in Canada is 
they hate Trudeau. I mean, they are not pleased with Trudeau. doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are on. And it was just very interesting to listen to it. But Christy Clark noted how there's going to be a 5.6% growth in healthcare cost over the next decade every year, a 5.6 growth in healthcare over the next decade for Canada. And she was talking about how Canadians love their healthcare system, right? They have kind of a more socialized system of healthcare. And she was saying how we can all agree that we love our healthcare system, but we have uh, increased cost of 5.6% every year for the next decade. And so the, the reason why I wrote this note down is because it's interesting to see what problems each government has, i.e., which, you know, how the debt and currency crisis is impacting each country individually and specifically getting to learn a little bit more about um, Canada's situation up there. Shout out to my good friends up there in Canada. Now, I went to some incredible workshops. They had workshops in between the main speakers in the morning and the main speakers at night. And so I went to Sound Money in the Digital Age by Mark Moss. And like I said, he was basically the only person up there that was pro-crypto. And we agree on the, on, the, on the hypothesis, the investment thesis on getting away from the dollar and how we need to return to sound money, sound money in the digital age, but I completely disagree with Bitcoin being the answer, and you guys know that, and you know, Mark Moss, an incredible, intelligent guy, but for me, Bitcoin just does not get it done. That's not the program that's going to work, and I don't believe that, I don't consider Bitcoin to be sound money. I just... And I'm going to show you guys a couple a couple articles on Bitcoin here later in tonight uh, tonight's show for you guys. Okay, so I went to that session though just to learn. Then following that, I went to the Great Reset. Here is how it happens, which was an incredible workshop put on by our good friend Andy Sheckman. That was very good. After that, I went and had lunch with Andy, and that was a great time. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you, brother. And um, yeah, that, and on my way to the Andy Sheckman workshop is when I met the economic ninja. Travis was a very nice guy and uh, hoping that we can do a collab there as well. Now, coming back in though, we finished it off the evening sessions. And the the question was, where will the smart money go in 2023? And the speakers were Frank Gustra, Rick Rule, and Grant Williams. Now, I do have to say that Rick Rule stole the show in my opinion. I, I wasn't too aware of him. Um, he killed it. He killed it. He was hilarious. He's like 70 something. And um, he, he was just kicking back up there and he was making you laugh. But also th the way that he was able to explain these things and, and how he's maneuvering these things and calling out the BS. I always appreciate that. Someone that can call it like it is. And he was definitely one of those guys. And so he was someone who I wasn't aware of before this conference. I listened to every session that he put on and I was blown away. And he did the most amount of sessions and spent the most of the time with the people answering the questions. I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I was blown away, blown away by his performance over the weekend. Massive performance by Rick Rule. But what are these guys doing? Where will the smart money go in 2023? Well, they all said that they're staying liquid and they're staying opportunistic, which amen, I would agree. And they say that gold is the neutral reserve asset, which I found so interesting that we see XRP establishing itself as a digital uh, digital world reserve currency. And it also itself is an open, permissionless, decentralized, and a neutral reserve asset, which is what the world needs. Now, all the haters say that XRP can't be a world reserve currency, and obviously none of these guys believe that any crypto is going to be a reserve currency besides Mark Moss saying that Bitcoin is going to be a digital world reserve currency. 
But um, I just found it fascinating to, to they, they note that point that everyone wants a neutral reserve asset and that asset is gold, which I would agree. I would agree on that, okay? But that's why for me, I got my silver and I got my XRP both. I'm positioned in the old world. I'm positioned in the new world, physical, digital. Um, now, now, this was an interesting point put out by Grant Williams, which was we need to start doing the same due diligence for stocks as we put into a business. And in, in asking the question, where is the smart money going to go? He was saying that nobody's doing due diligence anymore. In the mean coin, Twitter, stock, pump it phase that we're in and we've been going through, right? Nobody's doing due diligence. They want everyone up on stage to give them a stock pick. They want everyone on YouTube or TikTok to give them the stock pick or the crypto pick, right? Or to tell them what to do. And nobody's doing due diligence anymore. And he says, we need to be doing the same due diligence for stocks, or I would say for cryptos, as we would put into a business, right? We need to do our own research, do our own due diligence, or at least listen to people that are doing due diligence on these stocks, on these cryptocurrencies, on these assets. And that's what I try to provide for you guys as well, is I try to help be supplemental in your research. But you can't just take my word for it, right? I ask you guys to verify everything that I say. Um, and then this was an interesting note also by Grant Williams, as he said, Putting leverage into crypto is like stuffing the Hindenburg into the Titanic. And that was pretty funny. That got a laugh out of everyone. And um, I, I would agree, right? The crypto space got way, way over leveraged, way, way over leveraged. But I thought that was pretty funny. And that's what all they did is they, uh, Grant Williams was the same guy that, you know, talked about investing in Dogecoin and that, you know, putting leverage into crypto is like putting the Hindenburg into the Titanic. Which, you know, I would agree 99% of crypto goes away. But as I said, one of my key takeaways was these guys are way behind on distributed ledger technology. Way behind. Now, then we went to day two. That was just day one, which was lit in itself. But then we went to day two. And I pulled up for the Kitco gold, uh, gold panel, which was Rick Rule, Robert Kiyosaki, and Lobo Tigre. And that was a very fascinating session there. And they were talking about how gold is money and everything else is credit. That's that that's a good point, right? That everything that's basically in this system, whether it's digits on the screen or even cash that you hold, is essentially just credit. While gold is real money, and I would argue that some of these other precious metals like silver is real money, and I would argue that some of these digital assets like XRP is real money as well. Everything else is credit. I would agree. And Basel three codified that codified that yeah so that was a point that was made by lobo tigre and it was an interesting one because we've been talking about basil 3 compliance for well over a couple years now right in our community and so now we see that they're making it law and what did the also basil just do right the bis bank of international settlements just said that uh two percent basically two percent uh of assets can be in cryptocurrencies for banks now going forward going forward okay but they talked about sanction proofing countries and sanction proofing economies that's the main concern of all these countries is making sure that they're sanction proof just like what happened with russia the same thing could happen to any of them and that's why it's not just the BRICS nations it's the BRICS plus 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 they get a new country every day to join their agreement to want to do trade deals because we want to sanction proof our country and our economy now, a very interesting quote by Rick Rule. 
what is inevitable is not always imminent. And I think that we've been learning that in the XRP community, right? What is inevitable is not always imminent. Two years into a Ripple versus SEC lawsuit, multiple years of holding XRP and waiting for it to go to the moon. What is inevitable is not always imminent. And I think you could apply that to precious metals as well and just many other things that we look at in these markets and many of the other calls that we're making right now, okay? And we have no certainties, but we have a range of probabilities. And that's what we need to make our investments based off of. And so as I continue to say, what do I see? I see the central banks buying a record amount of gold. We haven't seen this record of, uh, amount of gold buying in 55 years. And then I also see the most amount of central banks working with Ripple and building on the XRP ledger. So it's just facts and facts. Most amount of uh, gold that we're seeing bought in 55 years. And then the most amount of central banks are sitting down with Ripple, working with Ripple, partnerships with Ripple, and building on the XRP ledger. So that that's not up for debate. That's just facts. But, you know, not financial advice. It's a range of probabilities that we see here. And we, we run with these data points. We get to invest accordingly. But I thought this was very fascinating. Rick Rule talked about what happened during the 70s gold run. Remember, we haven't seen this amount of inflation since the 70s. So we compare back to the 70s when much of the data is very similar. But he mentioned what happened to gold in the 70s. Gold was trading at about $35 because... That was the 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 gold standard where we were at was one ounce of gold was equal to 35 bucks about. And when we got taken off that gold standard, right, we were about $35. Then we ran up to $200 per ounce. After that, we ran back down to $100. So there was a massive shakeout in gold. And it got a lot of people out of gold. But then what occurred? We run back up to $800. And so I see something similar playing out right now where we're going to see this run up, right? We're going to see this run up in not only gold, but all of the suppressed assets like XRP, where we could see XRP go up to $10, $20, massive, massive pullback shakeout before we continue on up to higher digits, double digits, right? So very interesting, the similarities that we see. And if you go back and you look at the gold chart and look at what it did from 35 to 200, shake out everyone, get everyone scared, fear, blood in the streets back down to 100 before we hit that launch pad, take off to $800 per ounce. Now they talk about, watch the situation in Japan closely. <clears throat> very, very interesting situation taking place in Japan right now, guys. If you haven't been aware, we've been covering a few of the news pieces that are coming out. Uh, record amount of buying their own bonds taking place in Japan, and they continue to devalue their currency over there. Now, this was an interesting data point from Rick Rule, and he was saying that 2% is the mean gold holdings of America. So when you look at all of the investable assets, money, any place that people could put money, all the investable asset classes, gold historically, the mean has been about 2%. And right now we are trading at half of 1%. So 0.5% of all investable assets, money is in gold. And the mean is 2%. So we could potentially see a fourfold increase in market share by just going back to the mean, which you know Rick Rule was talking about. And he, and he made the point. The gold helps Rick rule sleep at night. And that's that's where I'm at too, right? That's why I got my silver and that's why I stack my fundamental positions and why I have cash on the sidelines as well 
just like many of these guys do, so that we can sleep well at night. And then when we wake up and we go to work and we go to business and we sit down here and we look at opportunities, where where can I get discounted value? You have cash to go on the attack. Now, after that, we got the silver forecast, which was an incredible session. Jeff Clark, Jim Lewis, who is the guy who runs the Wall Street Silver account on Twitter. I always show, I often show his stuff. Lynette Zhang pulled back up for another session and then Glenn Jessam. And so they talked about how silver is a barbable metal, monetary metal. And then this is what blew me away was the solar energy industry. Solar energy will consume most of the silver supply in the world over the next five to 10 years is what Jim Lewis said from Wall Street Silver. He said that the amount of demand coming from the solar energy industry is going to, going to potentially eat up or consume most of the silver supply over the next five to 10 years. Why is this? Because more silver is being used in the newer solar panels. And we also now have double-sided panels that are being built in China. So they're using twice as much silver because they're doing double-sided rotation in soaking up a little bit more sun doing that way. But they made an interesting point. The generalist is waking up at the institutions. And so this was from Jeff Clark. And he, and he was talking about how he's sitting down with institutions every day. And it's the people that are running these institutions that are finally waking up, right? They may have, may have had some lower level guys that were saying, hey, there's something going on here. There's an opportunity. But the generalists, the people that are running these institutions are finally starting to wake up. Silver supply was up in 2022, but demand was 200 million ounces in a deficit. So I mentioned that earlier, right? While the supply was up, we actually produced more silver out of the, out of the ground and produced we still had a 200 million ounce deficit. The ETF demand in 2022 was below trend and the deficit will remain is what Jeff Lew or Jim Lewis said. And I will not comply 1776. Thank you for the subscription. I appreciate that guys. I appreciate all the subscribers over there on TikTok. Thank you guys. But, he, but, but uh, Jim Lewis was saying that that deficit is going to remain because of the demand that's coming out of energies uh, and, and solar energy, these in industrial uses for silver that just continue to grow with the new renewable energy space. Then they came to this point, which I thought was so interesting, which was who doesn't get their silver? Now, they're talking about when we have 200 million ounce deficits, that's a shortage. That means if, if the 200 million ounces were produced, there would have been a buyer. But when we have deficits, and if we continue to have deficits, the question then becomes, who is going to get their silver? Is it going to be me and you, Joe Blow, going to our silver dealer and buying, trying to buy some silver, right? Or, and especially if we start to see silver run, are we going to see that price go up and we're going to see all of the silver supply get eaten up by institutional investors who are willing to pay a higher price and companies that need it for manufacturing production of whatever they're building, whether it's Apple building iPhones or whether it's Tesla building batteries, they need these commodities. They're willing to pay a higher price. They're willing to go cut a better deal. And so it's just so interesting to me when I compare the situation and supply shock that I think is coming for gold silver and the same thing that we see with XRP. Right? And you guys hear me talk about this every night with XRP and the supply shock that's coming. It's the same damn thing over here that I see with gold and silver. 
It's being held by me and you as a reserve currency, but then it's also got a massive amount of utility and that utility is going to drive up price. And then we ask the question, who, who's going to pay $100 for XRP? Well, it'd be banks and financial institutions that are willing to pay that price because they need it for liquidity. Same deal here with silver and gold. Who's going to be willing to pay that higher price, pay that premium? It's going to be companies like Apple and Tesla that have high profit margins, right? And can afford to eat that cost. And they are just going to raise the price on that iPhone to you consumer. They're just going to raise that price on that Tesla battery that they're putting in the car for you to buy. So I thought that was very, very interesting. And then Jim Lewis made the point that mints and bullion dealers have very small margins. Apple, Tesla have very high, nice margins. When above ground supply gets all picked up, who will not get their silver? Who will not get their gold? Who will not get their XRP? We continue to ask that question as Ripple is not giving that escrow to exchanges. They're only giving the escrow to their on-demand liquidity partners, banks, and financial institutions. So it's a similar setup. And then he even suggests that maybe we might even see the Canadian Mint might stop printing Maple Leafs because industrial demand gets all the supply. And then once again, Lynette Zhang reminded us of the 62,000 beneficiary owners per ounce of gold reported by the BIS. So that was incredible. Now, I did go and see the, the main, the best workshop that I went to on day two was Rick Rule's private placements workshop. So we did a whole private workshop on how do you invest in a startup mining company? The same principles apply for investing in an early stage tech startup, a crypto, right? And what questions do you need to ask? And how do you structure these deals? And that was, a, that was a very important session for me. I took a lot of notes on that one. And then we finished off the conference roundup, took place, and it was the last session of the day, moderated by Jay Martin, who was the host of the whole conference. And then we had Brent Johnson, Danielle Park, Grant Williams, Lynette Zhang, Mark Moss, Rick Rule, and Russell Gray all up there for the conference roundup. And the one note that I pulled from that roundup was being too early is the same as being wrong. And so for me, it's just reminded me on why I've positioned myself. I've made an allocation into precious metals and why I have my allocation to ca uh, cash is because being too early is the same as being wrong, right? If you're trying to front run the Fed pivot, if you're trying to front run the fourth industrial revolution and you go all in on crypto, you might get hurt in the meantime. You might not be as liquid. And so you need to have your conservative investments and cash on the sidelines be, so that you're not wrong, right? Or if you are early, right, and you are wrong for the time being, you still have cash flow. You're still going to make it. And so, like I said, the recap key takeaways from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Uncertainty is abound and it's not going anywhere and it has everyone shaken up. Undeniable. The barbell portfolio is the move. And then the final one was that these guys are way behind on distributed ledger technology, which I see as my opportunity, as my opportunity for why I believe that, you know, it's, it's time for me to step up on stage and get into these conversations with these guys so that we can understand that distributed ledger technology is the answer for a lot of these problems. I mean, and it's going to help make these assets that much more liquid as we tokenize 
every asset, commodity, and resource that was talked about at that conference, there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity to make their businesses and their operations more efficient and to make the markets more liquid and efficient. And so I'm just looking forward to eventually getting called on up there, getting to participate. But nonetheless, we've already started to have some conversations here with some of these guys like Andy Sheckman. I got the chance to meet some of these guys, and I'm hoping that we can run up some collaborations. Uh, I got a much longer list, but the highlights where I met Economic Ninja and I met um, Robert Kiyosaki was, was the biggest highlight of my trip, was being able to shake his hand, tell him that he's been a huge inspiration, and I'm hoping that I can actually get Robert on our show. And I'm really looking forward to these conversations because we, we have the same thesis. We have the same hypothesis. It's just the solution to me, I, I think that they're missing a solution. The guys that are just into gold and think that all of crypto is just Dogecoin and BS, they're missing an opportunity. But then also the the couple guys that were up on stage with the one, Mark Moss, just came in for a Bitcoin pitch fest. And I don't think that that's the answer either. And, you know, I did speak to one guy. He was a project manager for one of the biggest mining companies in the world. And we were talking about, you know, I said, well, you know, what do you think of crypto? Because I, I talk to these guys and then if, if, if they seem interested, then I might tell them, you know, I'm a crypto guy. I kind of admit, right? It, it's kind of like coming out of the closet to these guys at a gold and silver uh, precious metals conference. You come out and tell them that you're a crypto guy, right? And, and you're wondering, are they just going to walk away from you? Oh, gee, a crypto kid. But no, a lot of them do have respect. And a lot of them, some of the smart guys, the smart guys do understand it. And what they get is utility. And so that was my other key takeaway. The final one was when these guys do come, when they do finally come around, and you're starting to see it with Peter Schiff, Robert Kiyosaki talks about his Bitcoin, and I'm sure that he has a few other cryptos as well. They get utility, right? And so these guys are going to come in, and I think that it's all confirming what, what we've been running with for a thesis is that the dollar is in its last days before a reset, restructuring, and revaluation. Gold will be the glue, like Andy said. Gold will be the glue to whatever rises from the ashes. And I also believe that we have a couple digital assets that are also going to rise from the ashes and provide the liquidity that is much needed. And like we see, um, you know, record amount of gold buying by the central banks noted and the most amount of central banks working with Ripple and building on the XRP ledger. Noted. Got it. Right? And so for me, it confirmed a lot of, uh, a lot of the investments and a lot of the positioning that we're doing. And it was um, you know, refreshing to hear from some of these old guys um, who, who aren't on the hype, aren't on the hopium, aren't on the BS that I feel like I've been battling against in the crypto space for the last two years that I've been making content. It's like, you know, I, I where I respect these guys making fun of the Doge coins and making fun of the crypto space because I b believe that 99% of it is a joke with no real world problem solve, no real utility. It will go away. I do agree. But there's also a massive amount of utility to be had using distributed ledger technology. And I, I want to bring those guys up to speed in that regard. But it was an absolute pleasure going to that conference. I'm looking forward to going to more. I'm looking forward to collaborating with these guys. And I will keep you guys updated on the next conferences that I will be attending, the next conferences that I will be speaking at. We got a couple things here in the works. I'll let you guys know as soon as I can. Okay. A lot of fun stuff on the way, but it was an absolute pleasure. Now, without further ado, thank you for uh, thank you for listening to that Vancouver Resource Investment Recap. And like I said, 
you guys can go get your precious metals over at my website. We got a link there and it'll get you in touch with my people that'll help you roll over your 401k retirement account. And also you can just send me a message on the contact page, contact us and just say you're interested in precious metals and we'll guide you in the right direction. Okay. So if you are looking to make an allocation, just get in touch with us and we will help you guys out. Okay. So reputable sources, some of the best prices in the industry as well. So we'll make sure that it gets to you and you'll get a good price. Okay. I see we have uh, a good good party going on here in the chat tonight. I appreciate all of you guys. Now we're going to get into the full update, okay? The market's moving quickly. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for joining. I appreciate I see a super chat in the house, too. So, thank you so much, TK10Spot. Appreciate you, Zach. Awesome show, brother. DevWoo's 15 Canadian spot. Canadian friends up north. God bless you guys. You're always solid, Zach. Any advice for Canadians wanting to buy silver? And we're going to hold you to that HBAR deep dive. Continued success, brother. I did promise an HBAR deep dive, didn't I? Gosh, okay. Yes, we have to do it now. It will be coming here shortly. And Dev Woos, I appreciate the super chat. And if you want to get some precious metals, we have, um, we can ship, we can get it on up to you guys up there in Canada as well. So no worries there. Get in touch with us. We'll make sure you guys get it, get it delivered to your door. Dr. Nirmal Raj 40 spot. I don't know what currency that is, but that looks like an interesting currency. Are we set for a full moon fake out for real or for Bitcoin? How low? Great question. Thank you for the super chat. I will get into that. We're going to take a look at the charts and I'm going to tell you guys uh, the move that we're making right now at the end of the show. Okay. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Full update. Let's get it right now. Here we go. Okay. So. The market's back down. Bitcoin's back down 1.5% right now to 23500 1600 for our Ethereum and XRP still at $0.41. Cents. So these things are kind of hanging in there. Bitcoin did start to come back down. Um, and I will tell you more about my trade here at the end of this show. Now, I wanted to show this because it is just amazing to see, guys. And I appreciate your support so much. I couldn't do this without you guys, okay? So what we have here is Adam Taggart shows this. YouTube views for the past 30 days source social blade. So we see here that Yahoo Finance got 9 million views. Wealthion, which Adam Taggart is the CEO and he runs that platform, Wealthion got 5 million views. The Economist got 4.4 million. Excuse me. Forbes got 1.9 million. And Fortune only got 0.1 million. And he says, moving on up. And so I love to see this. This is what's so beautiful about this opportunity is that we're breaking through. Our platform is getting bigger than the old Wall Street shills, the old financial news media that has been shilling you guys the same program, the same failure. And we're starting to see the worst year on record for the bonds, third worst year ever for the traditional 60-40 portfolio. And this is why we start to see people are hungry for the truth. And so Adam Taggart pulls 5 million views second behind Yahoo Finance. And then we see the Economist got 4.4 million, Forbes got 1.9 million, and your boy, Zach Rector, got 1.3 million last month. And so we're right there, guys. We're right there. Our growth just continues. We're about to bust through 60,000 here on YouTube, and we're about to bang through 300,000 on TikTok. And so once again, we just pulled 1.3 million views on YouTube. That's not including TikTok. That's not including uh, Twitter. And our impact is being felt by hundreds of thousands and millions of people worldwide. And I love to see it. And I couldn't do it without you guys. So thank you everyone who smashes that thumbs up, 
hits the notification bell so that you make sure that you're here for every single live show and who spreads this message far and wide. I couldn't do it without you guys. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Okay, let's get right on into a rapid fire on this update. Let's go. Breaking more video of the Chinese spy balloon that we see above Montana right now. Check it out. More video is coming out as the Chinese high altitude surveillance balloon was seen over Billings, Montana yesterday. The size of the balloon is three buses wide and has been flying over northern U.S. for days. Okay, so you guys see the video right there. There we have it. Okay. And um, we're going to continue to watch that one. What are we getting out of the central banks? The European Central Bank and the Bank of England both raised rates to point, uh, both raised by half a percent. So we're continuing to get interest rate hikes by the central banks, more pain on the way. Be ready for it. What do we see happening in the bond markets? 102 billion sold of US treasuries by China. We have a failed debt ceiling deal triggering U.S. recession. This is according to Jim Rickards. So what are we seeing? Like we said, all of these countries are ditching the U.S. dollar. China's dumping $102 billion worth of U.S. treasuries. We're reaching our debt ceiling, okay? And that's $31 trillion in debt on top of over $100 trillion of unfunded liabilities. It's a currency, it's a debt, and a liquidity crisis. Now, as we titled this episode, 2023 will shock the world. Well, we're in for some do for, for a doozy here, folks, with this deal. Sam Bankman fraud. We are going to be shocked at the SEC's behavior in the hidden Hinman documents, and we're also going to be shocked at the two hidden co-signers on Sam Bankman Fried's bail, the same SBF the SEC was having planning sessions with. So what is digital asset investor talking about right here? Let's take a look. We're talking about Brad Garlinghouse says, the SEC wants you to think that it cares about the disclosure, transparency, and clarity. Don't believe them. When the truth eventually comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior here will shock you. So Brad Garlinghouse says that we are going to be shocked in regards to the SEC Ripple lawsuit. Then David Schwartz says, prepare to be shocked in regards to the judge ruling that the identities of two parties who back Sam Bankman-Fried's $250 million bail bond will be revealed. We will be shocked, David Schwartz says, prepare to be shocked. David Schwartz, Brad Garlinghouse letting us know, and it's a part of a much bigger world stage events that are taking place here to shock us here in 2023. Now, how's the program working out for the Bitcoin for the Bitcoin boys, the Bitcoin bros? How's the program working out? Thousands of Bitcoin miners in Texas are suffering from yet another storm, causing them to halt operations. Maxis always talk about how indestructible Bitcoin is, yet a tiny storm shuts down half of the network. The reality is Bitcoin faces many weaknesses and vulnerabilities. I couldn't agree more. What else do we see taking place right now? Hector Lopez, Bitcoin has processed its largest block in history at 3.96 megabytes, and it only had 63 transactions. Why? Users are adding JPEGs to the blockchain, which is taking up space and limiting the amount of transactions every block. Now, what does this mean? Now, somebody says here, uh, they're, they're trying to correct them and they say users are adding JPEGs. No, a miner added one JPEG. It's not a trend yet. Hector Lopez replies, no, a miner added a JPEG that came from a user. The reason it's one is because the block limit is four megabytes. Here's a website showing the JPEGs being added right now. So nonetheless, we see a back and forth between the Bitcoin bros trying to figure out why it's not working. Apparently one JPEG. One JPEG filled up a block and is slowing up the Bitcoin network. That's how inefficient it is. And that's why I say it's not the answer. I agree with Mark Moss. I agree with the Bitcoin maxis on the destruction of the U.S. dollar, 
on the dollar and the Fed being backed into a corner here with no option out. And we do need a neutral, sound money. Bitcoin, how's the program working out? Not so well. Continuing on, how's it going? Silvergate faces Department of Justice fraud investigation over FTX and Alameda dealings. Now, why does this matter? Because Silvergate does most of the banking for a lot of the crypto exchanges. They do a lot of the banking for the United States crypto exchanges, and I don't know if they're spread for them. I mean, FTX and Alameda dealings. So you got ties right here. You got many ties throughout the space with Silvergate here. This goes deep. This is a whole rabbit hole in itself. But once again, what does this mean? Once again, this confirms that we are in a return to normal stage of a bubble for me. And I'm calling this thing, I'm calling BS on this thing. I'll tell you what trade I made at the end of this show. Ponzi Finance shares this. More evident now that we are in a return to normal, highly abnormal stage of the super bubble. In this phase, bubble chaser arrogance returns. Burry bashing is a testament. And Michael Burry, it's funny. He put out the tweet, sell. That was his last tweet. And then he deleted his account or his account got taken out one or the other. So Burry, what was getting bashed, and then now his account is gone. Important to keep in mind that pride always comes before the fall. How many of the Bitcoin boys are we seeing that are calling that the bottom is in? And you guys see the stages of a bubble. You see right here on the way up, we get media attention, enthusiasm. The public comes in with greed, delusion, new paradigm being built, new paradigm being set, which I would agree. I would agree. This technology is the fourth industrial revolution. This is a new paradigm. This is a quantum financial system. Absolutely. But then as we went down from 69,000 to 50,000, we were in denial. We were in denial. We reach all the way down to 15,000 bull trap and we start to pump into the new year, new year, new us, new energy, more manipulation, the same manipulation. New year, new us, same manipulation in January. And we saw it with Binance USD. We saw it with the USDC Treasury at Paxos printing a massive amount of stable coins. And they pump this thing back up. And what are we in right now? A return to normal right before we continue the collapse into fear, capitulation, and finally reaching despair. And I do believe that that bottom is not set. I don't believe that the bottom has been put in yet. Now, we got a couple of tweets here from Peter Schiff. He says, this is one of the most irrational risk on days I've ever seen. Investors must be assuming a soft landing, big interest rate cuts, a return to 2% inflation and QE. That's the impossible confluence of events required to justify the rally in the type of stocks that surged today. And I would have to agree. Bitcoin made its one final pump yesterday, reaching back up towards 24,000. And now we see it back below 23.5 is where we're at right now. Investors still don't realize that the U.S. economy, as levered up as it is, can't survive a 5% Fed funds rate even if inflation returns to 2%, which it won't. If the Fed reduces interest rates back to a level the economy can afford, the inflation rate will soar to new highs. So that's why I was saying the Fed is backed into a corner. There's no way out. And we haven't seen the worst of the pain yet. And we see that European Central Bank and the Bank of England both raised interest rates by half a percent as well. So they're going to raise as much as they can, and then they're going to keep it plateaued for as long as they can. And that's all they have left before we go into massive hyperinflation, reset, restructuring, revaluation. And that's where we're at right now. As we continue to watch this, the fundamentals have not changed, and we only get more confirmation on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, this one I thought was funny. 
Tease Crypto Spot shared this one, and I got to give a huge shout out to Tease. I was uh, I joined up in his Twitter space yesterday, got a chance to ask T a question with Matt Hamilton in regards to XRP being considered a world reserve currency by Ripple. And I want to make a quick point, guys. It's interesting because, you know, when I brought this up to Matt Hamilton, he was unaware of that statement ever being made by Ripple. So it was a statement that came from a, Q, uh, a quarterly markets report from Ripple in 2017. And it was also another statement that was made by Brad Gollinghouse in 2018 at a conference in Japan. So it wasn't just stated one time. It was stated by Ripple and it was stated by Brad Gollinghouse. And when I asked Matt Hamilton about this, he was completely unaware that that statement was ever made. And so it's brought me to the conclusion that Ripple is a massive company, compartmentalized. And I do believe that some of the developers, which... All respect to Matt Hamilton. I think he's a good guy. Definitely understands the XRP ledger. And I think he's definitely good for the XRP ecosystem. We might not see eye to eye on everything. But it just goes to show that some of us, I think, kind of understand some other aspects of this better than these guys who understand the tech better than me. I'm not going to say sit here for a second and say that Matt Hamilton doesn't know the XRP ledger as well as I do. That is as far from the truth as could be because he is an expert on the xrp ledger development and coding he's a computer engineer i'm not but when i brought up this statement he hadn't even heard of it so it just confirms to me that there are levels there there are levels right there are floors right ripple now has rented out the whole damn building in san francisco so there are floors and some of these developer guys ain't at the table. And I've been making this point for a while, right? Because we get these guys that say, oh, this and that is not possible. And this is kind of crazy talk, reserve currency status. And sure enough, it was a statement and, and it's been reaffirmed multiple times by Ripple, by Brad Gollinghouse. And for me, it's what's so interesting about this story with XRP is that it's not just the cross-border payments deal. It's not just a payment solution. It also has been set up to be a reserve currency as well. And what does that do? That gets people to just hold it, which then reduces the supply, which then gives us a higher price. So whether we're speculating on XRP going to $50 or $50,000 or $500,000, right? The point being, um, some of these guys I feel like are missing the point, are missing, they, they are unaware. I mean, Matt was just unaware, you know? And so, you know, it's not a, it's not really a knock on Matt. It's just I've been making the point that these developer guys and, and some of these other folks aren't sitting at the meetings. None of us are sitting at the meetings with Brad Garlinghouse going to Davos, going to the Bank of International Settlements, going to the IMF, going to SWIFT, sitting down with 15 executives from JP Morgan. None of us, none of the developers, none of these lower level guys at Ripple were at those meetings. And so I see articles that are put out. Ripple executive says this is BS or this is impossible. Well, these guys focus on the limitations of the tech and the code without putting it and tying it back to serious geopolitical currency wars that, that yeah, might not be directly, but I, I would argue that they are. They are uh, going to be directly related to digital assets like XRP. Maybe not related to the rest of crypto, but that's what's so damn interesting about XRP. And when I brought up the question, I noted that Matt said that, wow, that's a very bold statement. I, I'd have to see the context of that. I'd have to see where that was said because Ripple is relatively conservative. And I, and I, and I you know, came back and I said, yeah, that's what was shocking to me 
Matt, is that they came out with that statement that's so bold from a little tech startup, a little crypto company to come onto the world stage and say that we're going to make a world reserve digital currency. That, yeah, that was bold as hell. And so uh, I want to give a huge shout out. Sorry, that was kind of a rant, but huge shout out. I got to join the Twitter space last night with uh, Tease Crypto and with Matt Hamilton, and it was a very good conversation. And I want to give a shout out to Matt Hamilton for going on Molly Elmore's show. And I want to give a shout out to the XRP community that I think is the adults in the room are starting to come to the table and saying, you know, you know, we might have different perspectives on things, but we all want the same thing at the end of the day, which is to see XRP utility unlocked. And it's a damn hell of a ledger for moving value, 100%. And I would argue that it's ready to replace other reserve currencies on the world stage. I would make that case. Absolutely. It's a neutral, it's a neutral bridge asset that the world wants. And it's as liquid as a G10 currency, which is what the world needs and the banks need. And it's a store, a store of value, which is what the people need which is what I need. I would love to use XRP for utility and you know integrate XRP into my business. But for the meantime, I'm really just trying to store value and I'm trying to ride the appreciation of other people that have been building massive amounts of utility on the XRP ledger. But nonetheless, this was an interesting one that Tease Crypto shared with us. And uh, this was posted originally by Baba Cugs. Hedge funds, money managers, uh, Hedge funds, money managers, pension plans, billionaires, Harvard grads all got wrecked by FTX. Meanwhile, people with no background in finance still have their funds. Isn't that hilarious? And I couldn't agree more. It is amazing to see those of us in this community that have been tapped in, that are still winning, still growing our assets, still growing our portfolio, and we still got cash flow, baby, coming in every single month. And that's what's so important, right? And we see the rest of the space, the rest of the world going bust businesses failing. And we don't cheer that on, right? But we recognize that we put in the work. We did the research and we put ourselves in a position to ride out this storm. And, and it's absolutely amazing to see. Well, while the big smart guys go bust, the hedge funds, money managers, pension plans, the billionaires, Harvard grads, all getting wrecked, right? In the, in the third worst year ever for the 60-40 portfolio for the Wall Street boys, how's your program working out, right? And we see the worst year ever for the bond market. Yep. And meanwhile, here we are, and we just continue to press on. Now, this is getting big, guys. This is getting big. Custodial bank BNY Mellon has promoted Caroline Butler to CEO of Digital Assets, the bank announced Thursday. So these traditional players are making big moves behind the scenes. CEO of Digital Assets. Let's take a look here at this article real quick. Report from Coindesk. Butler was previously ran the custody, uh, custody services division at the bank. Now she's going to be running digital assets, okay? Custodial banking giant BNY Mellon has promoted Caroline Butler to CEO of digital assets, the lender announced Thursday. Butler joined BNY Mellon in 2020 and most recently was CEO of custody services where she led development of the bank's integrated digital custody and administration platform for traditional and digital assets. The platform launched in October of 2022, allowing fund managers to store keys necessary to access and move around their Bitcoin and Ether, as well as other traditional bookkeeping functions. And so we see the, the largest custodial bank in the world moving here for digital assets and making big moves. What do we see Ripple doing? Right here, we see an incredible demonstration. This one from Ripple X. 
Tokenizing any asset on the XRP ledger is easy as pie. All you need is a few lines of code or a web interface that walks you through the process step by step. Now, I'm going to play this one for you guys. Let's check this one out. And they don't need a smart contract to do so. Hi, and welcome back to our series on the XRP ledger. In this episode, we'll define some basics of tokenization. The XRP ledger was the first blockchain to support the tokenization of a variety of assets. This includes stable coins or other forms of value, anything from US dollars to euros, gold, stocks, and other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, and even non-fungible tokens that might represent valuable items like pieces of art or cinema tickets. Tokens are often called issued assets or IOUs on the XRP ledger. This terminology comes from the fact that these assets do not physically live on the ledger. The IOU represents those items of value outside the ledger. It's what somebody will owe the holder of the token. So if a token is issued on the ledger that represents, say, a piece of art, the person who acquires that token is then owed the art that's represented. And any token on the ledger, including tokens for art, fiat currencies, cryptocurrencies, and more, can all be traded directly on the decentralized exchange, or DEX, which we cover in depth in another episode. Anybody can create a token on the ledger, and they don't need a smart contract to do so. It's a native function, built into the XRP ledger. It's also fairly simple to tokenize an asset. It only takes a few lines of code, or the use of a web interface, that walks the creator through the process step by step. To learn more about the fundamentals of the XRP ledger, please watch the next episode. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, always a great reminder to go back and understand, you know, just what is capable, what was built out originally. And it's funny because recently I've been seeing people talk about how XRP needs more developers. Well, the thing is, XRP just works. So while you got tens of thousands of developers on some of these other projects and thousands of guys working on fixing problems, you just don't need it on the XRP ledger. Now, what we do want to see, what we, we're talking about here in tokenizing everything, right? Everything getting tokenized and XRP being that ledger, what we're waiting now is for regulations. Once that Ripple versus SEC lawsuit is over, once we have regulations set, level playing field is, is alive and well, that is when we're going to see these institutions picking which ledger to build their tokens on, to build their ecosystem in. You know, and and so once again, they solve the most important problems first, which was scalability and throughput and, and, and becoming a neutral bridge asset, right? The neutral bridge currency for the internet of value, they solve that first. Now we're just waiting for the institutional money to pour in. We're worrying, we're waiting for the enterprise adoption and the businesses to come on in putting their own tokens and remember every token that's put on the xrp ledger is going to add to the value of xrp and it's also going to add to the scarcity of xrp because you're going to need wallets opened up you're going to be burning xrp every time you send those tokens across the xrp ledger so once again you're adding value to the xrp ledger and then you're also burning supply so this this just takes us on up to paradise and you guys are going to see that i think over the next decade it's going to be incredible to watch we got a lot of value that's going to be settling and moving on the xrp ledger for sure now let's get into this markets we got uh, this one from wall street silver gold demand surged to an 11 year high in 2022 on colossal central bank buying key points the annual gold demand jumped 18 percent to 4741 tons 
The key to the surge was a 55-year high of 1,136 tons bought by central banks across the year. So like we said, you know, you're starting to see these metals not only getting bought up for their industrial use, but also getting bought up by central banks. Haven't seen this since 55 years ago, right before the last time they reset the currency. Wall Street Silver sharing this chart. Gold rally continues only about $100 away from all-time high. FOMO when we break through. So we're starting to see gold has broken out this rally, you know, taking us taking us up there, getting us close to that all-time high. But just as a reminder, we have already broken to all-time high in other currencies. But what is holding gold back? It is the futures and the derivatives that are being traded. The paper trading of gold is the manipulation that keeps this thing suppressed. Comex Digital Gold, as much as it hurts, all you can do is laugh at the fraud and the scam. And Adam Tager adds, feels like 2012 to 2021 all over again. And so what we see here is a crash today in the gold futures markets on the Comex Gold Futures. And once again, what's taking place, right? They manipulate it with the derivatives, with the paper trading, but what are they doing on the back end? They are clearing the vaults out. They are pulling all of that physical gold out. And then what do we see with silver? We see the solar industry eating up the physical supply. We see all of the renewable energies and the companies that need silver, Apple, Tesla, and all the major companies eating up that silver supply, along with me and you, Joe Blow on the ground, trying to save our family, trying to preserve some wealth, just trying to buy up. A, a few ounces here and there, just going and getting a 10-piece bar, just moving our 401k retirement account on over, seeing institutional demand like we just read off. What did we have? 1,136 tons bought by central banks across the year. And that's an annual gold demand jumping 18% to 4,700. So we see about 20% of the supply of gold was bought up. 20% of the, oh, sorry, sorry, 20% of the demand of gold coming from central banks. That's absolutely massive. And you know, there has to be a reason for why they're doing that. Now we got another one here today. Another 546,000 ounces of silver exited the Comex vaults today. Now, when I was up there in Vancouver, sitting down with Andy, having lunch again, uh, we're having a great conversation. We were talking about how this silver, this gold, it's on a one-way street. It's a one-way ticket out of the vaults, probably never to come back, or at least not for a very long time, because it's being pulled out by institutions that are front-running. It's being pulled out by central banks, right, that are front-running the move that is coming. Whether that's going to gold-backed currencies, whether that's just seeing a restructuring, revaluing of all fiat currencies worldwide, right, Andy says gold is going to be the glue that sticks it all together. And what do we see? These vaults at record lows. We haven't seen the London's metals exchange at these lows ever. We see the COMEX getting stripped of another 546,000 ounces of silver today, guys. There was a 200 million ounce shortage last year. And just here in one day, we see half a million ounces leaving the vaults. Just the COMEX vaults. Being, being wiped out. And I covered this in, I think, the last live stream about how the, um, the, the levels that we're seeing pulled from the vaults we haven't seen since 2017, the pace, right? But then the amount that's in the vaults we haven't seen forever. This is the lowest levels ever that we're starting to see in some of these vaults. London, London's Metals Exchange, to name one. 
So the setup is there. It's as clear as day. Now, I know what you guys have been waiting for. Let's get the analysis on the crypto market. Let's get our analysis on uh, Bitcoin. What are we doing right now? Let's take a look at this thing. And actually, let me pull up. I want to make sure that I don't need to take profit on my Bitcoin short. Okay, Bitcoin has gone back up to 23.538. Okay, let's take a look here at the chart, guys. Right now, I am in profit. Here we go. And right here, we have our Bitcoin chart. And we're looking here at the four-hour chart. Okay. Four-hour chart. And let's take a look here. Now, I got my, my vertical lines. I got my horizontal lines. I know some of you guys are probably thinking that my chart is ugly as hell but it works for me. And I just stick to what I work uh, work with. And that's a simple way of understanding this market. So once again, why do I have these vertical lines in the place that I do? I have one over here on January 6th. I have one here on January 21st. And then I have one over here a few days into the future on February 5th. Why would that be? Well, let's turn on our moon phase indicator and you can see why, okay? So I'm gonna turn that back off, but you can see why I have my vertical lines there. And then I have my horizontal lines for our support and our resistance when I'm looking at this chart. I keep it freaking simple. Okay, now what we had here was a full moon, January 6th. We reach a relatively, we get a little bit of a pullback to 16,003 before we launch on back up in here into the 21,000 range. 21,500 is where I got this horizontal line right up here. Okay, we blew right through that. Now here we are. We reach back up to 24,000. 261. This is Qcoin, four-hour chart. 24,300 is what we reached to yesterday on the Fed FOMC. It wasn't an FOMC meeting. It was just Jerome Powell speaking and announcing that they were going to raise interest rates by 25%, 25 basis points. And what did we say yesterday? We said, just be ready. Here we go once again. And we've been shorting the hell out of these moves and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I had to enter another Bitcoin short and the entry that I got is this horizontal right here at 23,811. So right there, we can zoom in on this. Let's take a look and you guys can see where I'm at. You guys can see where I'm at. We are in profit right now. Now, if you guys want to learn more about how I do these trades, it's very simple. I'm going to be putting together a couple videos on how I structure my trades and how I really do this, but I'm explaining to you it right now, and it's very freaking simple. Bitcoin right now has been pumped. We talked about it. Binance USD, USDC, the stable coins, the collaborators of these exchanges behind the scenes, covering their asses, pumping Bitcoin back up to 24K, the freaking doofus moron AI bots buying the dip, sending Bitcoin up to 24,000 yesterday after Jerome Powell tells us that more pain is on the way. Yes, we're not raising by half a percent this time. We're only raising by 25 basis points. But what, what is going to happen? The markets continue to bleed out. The fundamentals don't change. We don't belong up here. Bitcoin does not belong at 24,000. Doesn't belong back up at 25,000. Let's zoom back out. Let's take a look at where we're at. Okay, there you have it. And you see what I'm looking at right now. Let's, let's turn back on our moon phase indicator. Why did I have this marking right here, 21st? Because of the new moon, bullish energy, which brought us back up here to 23,000. What did I show you guys last week happened on the 20th? 148 million was printed at the USDC Paxos Treasury, and they injected it 
uh, sorry, it wasn't the Paxos Treasury. That's where they were printing the Binance USD the whole month leading up to this move. And then literally the day before that new moon, that's when the USDC mint announced 148 million gets printed. And that's what takes us to 23K. Then we get the final blow off top here back up to 24K. Now, I am not saying that I'm right, right? Like right now I'm in profit and that's fun. And I just couldn't stand it. I just get so disgusted by seeing Bitcoin, the, the, the doofus morons that pump this thing, that say that the bottom is in, and to say that we're in a bull market. I don't care if they're right, because I position myself accordingly. If we go into a crypto bull market, I will make money. But I'm calling their BS, and I do so by placing a short. And so that's what I did. 23811 is my entry. And I'm at, uh, I was at 7% profit. Right now I'm at about, uh, you know, 6% profit right now. Okay. But I'm not done and I'm still calling BS on it. And I still think that we move down lower. Now, please do not take what I am saying here as financial advice. I am just showing you guys how I am trading this deal. We have members in my discord group that are making way more money than me, way more money than me. Um, one of our good members showed us, I think she made over a hundred percent. She was at over a hundred percent today. I don't know if she's still in that trade or if she took profit, but she was well over a hundred percent today right? Then I had another member. He was at, I think, 20%, nearly 20% profit, but I'm using 5X leverage. So all, all the all the DGENs in my Discord group, they go in heavier than me. They, they got more balls than me, but um, I, uh, I, stick, I, I stick to my model. And my model that I did last year, I told you guys about it. Over the period of four months, I shorted Bitcoin exclusively. I went about nine for 10 on my trades and I grew my trading bags 100% exclusively shorting Bitcoin. 5x leverage. So I'm just doing the same thing. And in an effort of being transparent, that's why I share that. It's not to send you signals. It's not to give you financial advice, please. I'm not here to give you financial advice at all. I'm not here to ask you how your trading is doing with the WhatsApp scammers that are trying to uh, trying to scam you guys. I'm not asking you how your trading's doing. I'm showing you what I'm doing, right? But when these, when these fakers and scammers message you asking you how your trading is doing, that is not me, okay? The only people that I talk to about trading are in my Discord group. And we got our trading channel and we share. And I hadn't been trading for a while. And you guys know because we're in a liquidity crisis. And I just might as well consider the money that I'm trading with gone, right? Whatever little profit I think that I got on this screen. I want to make this very clear to you guys. Right now, on paper, according to QCoin's ledger, I'm at 6% profit. But I have lost track of how many times QCoin has screwed me in the middle of a coin pumping, in the middle of me being in a trade. One of the, I'll, I'll never forget this one. When Algorand went on a crazy pump, I don't know if you guys remember, I shorted the hell out of, Bit, uh, out of Algorand, but the mark price on QCoin was off by like 60 cents. And I ended up getting liquidated and losing all my money. So I've taken major losses trading and I've learned many lessons. And so now I never trade crazy pumps, like just crazy candles that don't make sense. I never trade those. And I've been sticking to Bitcoin because it's the most liquid cryptocurrency. And so it's the easiest one to move with, right? And I use 5X leverage so that I can ride trades 50 to 60% in the red, which is not good trading. Make fun of me all you want. Say, I don't know how to look at a chart. I don't know how to look at a chart, <laughs> but it didn't stop us from growing our trading banks hundred percent. Now, here we are again. I'm going to let you guys know, you guys can come on this trading journey with me. I have no signals to sell you. I don't, 
I don't sell trading. I don't push trading to anybody, including my Discord group. We have a trading channel just so that we can share what we're doing. But I, I'm, I'm always transparent with you guys. And I'm always honest that I don't trust any of these exchanges right now. I definitely don't trust using Tether either, which is what I'm having to do. Use Tether on KuCoin to be a degenerate gambler. And God willing, God will forgive me for sinning and gambling at the crypto casino and we'll be able to take our money and run. But if I get punished, that's on my own doing. And it's, it's up to you guys to understand how to maneuver this market as well. For me, I have found pleasure in making some profit, making some money during a bear market. It just happens to be that I've done that exclusively shorting Bitcoin, but what the hell, you get it where you can. And so I'll keep you guys updated on this. I'm not here to send out signals, not here to give you financial advice. I'm here to show you guys how I'm navigating the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. And it's the barbell investment thesis, conservative plays, risky plays, right? We run the ball. For most, most of our plays, we're just going to be running the ball, trying to pick up a few yards, right? But every once in a while, we're going to send that Hail Mary pass, right? And that's what we're doing, guys. We, we, we stick on defense. We stick to running the ball. Fundamentals, right? But when we get a chance, we send shots downfield when we can afford to. And that's what this has been about for me. Cryptocurrencies, precious metals. This weekend, we're having a session on real estate. So if you want to get tuned in for that session on real estate, head on over to my website, sign up for the Patreon group, okay? Sign up for the Patreon. Then you get access to the Discord group and you can come join us on Saturday where we're going to be discussing making real estate deals, understanding the real estate asset class during a bear market recession, during a moment in the markets that uh, we're seeing real estate start to get hit hard. Real estate being a lagging asset class. And what we're talking about, guys, let me, let me pull this up real quick. What we're talking about is the Fed impact on real estate, how to think about real estate as someone who's already a homeowner, somebody who's looking to be a first-time buyer like myself. That was for my own selfish reasons that I wanted to cover that. So, you know, how is the Fed? What I, what I told my friend Johnny, who's going to be running this session with me, Johnny actually used to, Johnny actually used to teach real estate seminars uh, at Rich Dad Poor Dad for Robert Kiyosaki. So Johnny's someone who's actually been in the game for a while, been teaching for a while, and he's so gracious with his time. He decides to come on and, and put on a free seminar for our group. And I just couldn't, I couldn't uh, say thank you enough to my good friend Johnny for doing that. But I said, this is what I wanted to talk about. And so I just had this conversation with Johnny. This is what we're going to be going over on Saturday in our Discord group. The Fed impact on real estate. I wanted to know, okay, if the Fed pivots, what happens? If the Fed keeps it, raising interest rates, leaves it at a plateau, what happens? So no matter what the Fed does, we're going to know how it's going to impact real estate. Then how do we think about this asset class as a, somebody who's already a homeowner, somebody who's looking to be a first-time buyer, and then people who want to get into the investing? How do we think about it from the investing standpoint? And then we're going to go through all of the different investments that you could be making as far as single family residence, short-term rentals, multifamily, commercial. We can, I told them we can talk about any other opportunities that you want, but I want to, you know, just for this first real estate session that we're going to be having in our discord group of 2023, I wanted to start with a more general perspective because last year we had a, a real estate session where we had examples, people sharing stories of how they were doing house hacking, um, how they were, you know, structuring other deals. Johnny talked about how he was ready to become a bank, basically taking the notes and becoming, um, 
you know, kind of a lender of last resort as uh, we start to see people fold on their mortgages, you you taking over the, those notes and becoming the bank. So that was interesting. And, and, and so this is why I've been talking with you guys about getting tapped in is you can surround yourself with individuals who aren't just talking about it like me. See, see, when it comes to real estate, I'm talking about doing a deal. I'm talking about buying my first property, right? I'm talking about the team that I'm building and I'm showing you guys that, right? But what am I doing? I'm surrounding myself. We're getting people who are doing deals right now, still getting it done. And so if you guys want to surround yourself with people that I look up to as mentors, people that I look up to as friends and that I, I, I'm so interested in hearing from them, get in touch with us. It's at my website. Okay. It'll take you there to the Patreon group. And then from there you can sign up and get access to the discord group. That's going to be on Saturday at 8 30 AM Pacific standard time, which is the time that we go live every Saturday with our discord group. It's an exclusive weekly call. And most of the time I'm running the show, but this week we're going to let Johnny share a little bit on a real estate update with us. And it's going to be massive, but that's your opportunity to ask me questions, get in touch with me is through the discord group there. So head on over there, sign up for the Patreon, get access to the discord group. And uh, like I said, guys, everything is over at my website, whether you're looking to get your cryptos, store your cryptos, buy your precious metals, roll over your 401k. We can help you get that done. Get in touch with us and let us know how we can help you. I appreciate all of you guys so much. I see we got another super chat from XRP Nuss, Canadian five spot. Zach, what about the 43 unlock in 2023? Uh, what are you talking about? 43, 43 trillion unlock in 2023. Are you talking about the XRP escrow? Are you talking about the XRP escrow? Because I saw there was some misreporting that just happened recently about how much is going to get released. And I don't know if that's what you were talking about. I admit I don't have the patience for real estate. It's a good point. You know, I, I think that it's hard when we see crypto and how fast crypto moves and all the stories of becoming Dogecoin millionaires and NFT millionaires. It's very hard. It's very hard. But for me, it's the barbell investment portfolio. And it's not even, guys. This investment portfolio thesis, the barbell investment thesis, is not like the weights that you lift when you guys go pump the little weights that you guys are lifting. Just kidding. Um, it's not even. So for me, you know, I have about 30, probably 30% of my portfolio is more conservative. And what I mean is cash, silver. I got to go pull my most recent numbers on my portfolio allocations because I've changed. I've changed my cash positions. I'm about to change my silver position for sure. I've changed my XRP position. I'm shorting the hell out of Bitcoin. That's another position we've taken. And so I got to give you guys an update on my portfolio soon. So portfolio update on the way. But I would say just generally speaking, if I had to guess right now, about 30% of my portfolio is conservative cash, precious metals. And then the rest of my portfolio is crypto and um, crypto is really the only risky place that I'm taking right now. I don't really consider my business moves risky. My business moves are actually relatively conservative. I would say um, the returns are not conservative, but... <laughs> 
the 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 business um, risk that I'm taking is not uh, risky, right? There's not much risk in my business moves. Well-established businesses, cash flow, little to no debt, and fundamental. I'll take a few more questions, guys. What are we working with? Which position are you going to take on silver? Um, well, I just I stack metal, metals on a dollar cost average basis, you know. So when I'm in town, the last time I was in town, I only had a couple hundred bucks, and so I couldn't even buy a ten ounce bar. I wanted to buy another ten ounce bar, but I only had like two hundred thirty bucks, and my guy has to charge his premium, right? And so I was only able to pick up nine ounces. I wasn't able to pick up ten. But, you know, that's what I do. I, I just dollar cost average into it. And, um, you know, I don't think that, you know, more than 10% allocation makes sense for me right now. I don't know. Not financial advice. I don't know where you're at or your risk tolerance. But that's what I'm saying. The Barbell Investment Portfolio isn't about it being 50-50. It's about it being 40-60 or 30-70 based off of your risk, risk tolerance. Now, the Dogecoin millionaires and the NFT meme traders, they're going 100% degen, 100% risk on. And some of them make it big, and that's cool. And most get wrecked. If the banking system does change over to gold silver backing, where do we even buy gold and silver? If you need to buy gold and silver, get in touch with me. Yeah. And 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 see, this is the thing, guys, is right now we're seeing two factors. Central banks buying a lot of gold and institutional investors buying both a lot of gold and silver. But then we start to see the industrial demand growing as well, specifically for silver. And so right now we're running a deficit, which means there's more demand than supply coming above ground for silver and for the other metals. So if you need precious metals, you know, you're, you're looking to pick up some precious metals. I don't recommend, and nobody that I know in precious metals recommends going 100% into gold or silver. It's not for that, but it's about making an allocation to preserve wealth. So that if you wake up it, it, like like they did in Lebanon yesterday and your currency is devalued by 90%, you know, you're still going to have some value here. You're still going to have preserve some wealth. And by the way, I was wrong on my mass last night. I was saying that I was saying that uh, your Starbucks coffee was would be uh, $14. Yesterday it was $7. Today it was $14. I was doing my math completely wrong. And I actually understated the point I was trying to make 90% deflation, uh, inflation, 90% uh, currency destruction means that your dollar now has the same purchasing power as 10 cents. So you basically got a 10 X the cost. So your $7 woke latte from Starbucks actually goes to $70. And then I, I made another video today. Maybe you guys saw it. Yesterday, your $250 would have bought you 10 ounces of silver. And today, that $250 is only going to buy you one ounce of silver. So I really think that that helps bring the point home, right? It's more dramatic than what I was saying yesterday. I, I'm, I'm kind of stupid when it comes to math. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, don't, I don't worry about doing math. But the simple mass is pretty incredible. Yesterday, you would have paid a thousand bucks for your iPhone. Today, you're paying closer to 10,000. 
Yesterday, you were able to go buy 10 ounces of silver for 250 bucks. Today, you're only picking up one ounce, which really, really puts it home for you, right? And then I know you guys like to be woke and you guys are super excited to go live in a 15-minute city where you can leave your coffin apartment, walk downstairs to your Starbucks, buy your woke latte for 70 bucks compared to seven that we're paying today, right? Then you're going to head on over to the protein bar where they're serving up fresh crickets. And then you were an extra good citizen. You did extra good stuff. And um, I'm not even going to say what that extra, how you will get rewarded in the new system. But you, you, you know what you did. You boosted it up. And so you got an extra, you got an extra UBI check this month for boosting it up. Good job. Good citizen. Good little slave in the 15-minute city. Guys, this is their plans. This is their plans. No. So so we listen to their plans. 15-minute cities, woke, Green New Deal. Currency destruction, they're buying a record amount of gold, and they're sitting down with Ripple out of all companies, out of all the people. The lender of last resort in this coming crisis is Ripple, right? They have the escrow. They have the World Reserve Digital Currency. They have a currency that they've made as liquid as a G10 currency, and they control the supply through the escrow. That's why Ripple is a lender of last resort. Ripple is the treasury of XRP. But they're also comparable to the IMF, and they're also compared to the BIS. The central banks of central banks, and they're doing the settlement as well with on-demand liquidity. Dale, I see you with the five spot. Thank you so much. Hey, Zach, sent you a Twitter message from With Charity Org. Please take a look and reply. Big thanks. Dale, I will take a look at that. Thank you for the super chat. I get a lot of DMs on Twitter. It's one of the few places that I actually do check DM. So if you guys uh, do DM me, I do check Twitter. I see we got a 20 spot from Sean Jai Ming. Sean, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, I'm ma I'm making I'm just making jokes about the 15 minute city, but it's all a joke until it's actually reality, which is kind of what we're seeing in all the major cities. It's all a joke. We get to make fun of it because we live out in the country and we're never going to participate in that society. I know, I know where you guys are at. I know where I'm at, right? And and this is why we have offline assets. You know, there's no counterparty risk. There's no third party risk. We don't even need to rely on the internet to be on to transact this. You make Ripple and XRP look uh, look so bad. That's fine. I mean, uh, yeah. Man, the TikTokers, they crack me up. They signed over the Green New Deal. Where can I go melt some pennies? Yeah, see, that's the that's the thing, right? They used to include real silver in the dimes. And now they've been, you know just shaving it off. And this is what always happens in, throughout history. They end up shaving it off. It starts at a 40% gold uh, backing. Then they take it off. Then they reduce it. Um, once again, another massive live stream. We're here for an hour and 42 minutes. And I would apologize, but sorry, not sorry. We got a lot to cover. And 
when I get a chance to come on here, I just come in and I lay it all down. So I know that people like the 15 minute YouTube videos. I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's why we, we have the team on the back end that helps me clip up and edit and put out the short videos for you guys after the fact is because when I pull up, I'm here to, I'm here to sit down for a session and we got a lot to cover. And so tonight's session, the reason why it went so long is because I was rambling on about the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference recap. So the first hour of this show was the Vancouver Resource Investment Recap. If you missed that, you can go back and watch this after the fact. Or remember, you can listen to our podcast on the go, Spotify and Apple, so you can listen to it after the fact. But sorry that I'm not like these other YouTubers that think, you know, and it is true. The best performing videos are about 15, 20 minutes long, like 10, 10, 10 to 20 minutes long, probably. But I just don't care. I'm here. I'm here to. I'm here to talk about all of it. <laughs> I'm never going to apologize for going long. I will apologize for rambling. Sometimes I do ramble. I am guilty of that. Ah, oh, he has a team. Yeah, dark horse, and that's the thing. That's what we offer over here. A lot of a lot of guys are confused on TikTok. A lot of guys are confused on TikTok. They have no idea about the team and the infrastructure that we've built behind me. It's not just me that's out here helping people. I have my team and then I have my community that helps each other. So that's what makes our platform so massive and why I think we're bringing so much value to our community. Like I said, we got a guy who used to teach seminars for Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki. Robert actually used to speak for his company. <laughs> And he's in, in in my Discord being so gracious with his time. And I said, man, thank you so much for doing this. And he just says, it's just fun to me. It's just fun. And he's just a genuine, real guy, right? And so that's what I mean is we got a community that's so gracious with their time, willing to help out others. But the, the value that we bring is, I, I think, unmatched in the space because we cover all of the asset classes, all the way from prepping and essentials, how, how to actually you know, make sure you got all of your bases covered when it comes to prepping and essentials. We've done seminars and webinars on that. But then talking about precious metals, talking about real estate, business development program, cryptocurrencies, trading. I mean, you name it, you name it. And it's a spiritual connection too. It really is. I mean, we're on that same vibration, on that same frequency. And there's something with surrounding yourself with people that are positive during such... See, this is what's funny is I get people, and you guys saw what, what I played for you guys last night on YouTube, was a debate between me and Dark Horse and a guy who's saying that I'm just spreading FUD and FOMO and fear, right? When I think it's the complete opposite, what we're providing is clarity, right? We are positive, but it's not just we get a feel. Just because we say let's feel good means that we feel good. No, we feel good because we're taking real action. And we've, we've, we've stacked up real assets, real value, built real businesses. We're ready to move on real estate. We're not caught up in the shortages and the crises because we've already been prepping essentials. And no matter which way this goes, we're prepared. Is it tax deductible? Great question. Great question. Yes, it is. I, well, 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 let me say this. Consult with your tax professional. But because we are talking about business development in our in our Discord group, the business development program that's included with your Discord membership, I would tell everyone to go ask your tax professional. But I believe that there is a case that it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're talking business. This is a business education. Absolutely. 
it's just it's just like when I go to a conference, right? You know, I'm going there to learn. This is for business. I'm speaking, talking business. Same deal. Same deal. But like 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 Rick Rule said in regards to gold allowing him to sleep peacefully at night, our investments, our portfolio allow us to sleep well at night. The businesses that we've be uh, built, maintaining through the last two and three years of, of recession, bear market, that allows us to sleep well at night as well. In fact, the, the, the conversations and the understanding that we have over here removes all of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Now, if people are FOMOing in, if people have a sense of urgency, that's based off of their own situation. That's based off of their own struggle. That's based off of the fact that they're just now coming. And that's why I continue to do this every day is because, yes, we've reached millions of people. Yes, yes, we have incredible growth, and that's great. But we're not done. We haven't saved enough people yet. So that's why I pull up every single day because I know that I'm getting new people here on TikTok, new people on YouTube, new people on Twitter, new people that are investing in, in themselves, joining our Discord group that we can help get on the program to take them to paradise. And so we just, we're not done. We still have so much work to do. That's what motivates me every single day to show up, guys. And I just couldn't do it without you guys. I appreciate all of you guys that are tapping that thumbs up, sharing this message far and wide. Those of you that have subscribed on TikTok, you guys signed up on Patreon, join the community, send the super chats. I see you guys. Some of your currencies that you're sending me, I have no idea what they are, but I do appreciate it. And I thank you guys for helping me helping me build out this 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 uh, platform. That I just continue to tell my team, my community, that we're just getting started, just getting started, long ways to go. This guy is doing it. Absolutely prosperity fun. Absolutely. Let me take a few more questions. You guys know me. I can't help myself by 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 not ending a session with some Q&A and helping out the people. What are we working with? Cup and handle coming. Yeah, so you guys know I'm in a Bitcoin short. There's nothing secret. You don't got to buy my trading bot. You don't got to buy my trading course. You don't got to pay for signals. I show you guys my doofus more on TA. I show you guys my trades. And we'll see what happens. God willing. Is 10 million XRP enough? Prosperity, I think that you're going to be able to get a little little something done with that. If I lose on my trade, I just say, okay, God's punishing me for gambling. I shouldn't have done the deal with the devil. And that's fine. You know, please forgive me. You go to the casino. You pull up to the manipulated table. What else are we working with, guys? I'll take a few more questions here. It was a pleasure. I was excited for tonight's live. I really was excited for tonight's live. Feels good to be back here, back from the investment conference. It took me a little bit to get back into the swing of things this week. 
but we're moving guys lot so much happening behind the scenes so much happening behind the scenes now is the time to get tapped in guys what's next on my calendar full moon february 5th full moon february 5th here in three days bullish energy i'm expecting it to come in i'm expecting to get this pullback that we've already got I'm already in profit right now let's take a look at this once again Six percent profit. Everything is going to crash soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, we haven't cleaned up the space yet. That's the problem with me. Is the fundamentals haven't been cleaned up. The all of the bad actors haven't been cleaned up, and the stable coins haven't been cleaned up. That's the main problem for me. If we got regulations, if Tether showed their reserves. I would, I would, I would be okay, fine, send it, send it. But until then, what did we see last month? Hundreds of millions of Binance USD getting minted at the Paxos treasury. And then literally the day before Bitcoin went up, uh, to, to final blow off top USDC printed 148 million. So just a massive amount of stablecoin injection, liquidity injection, and we wonder why we pumped. And, and the crypto kids that don't get it, I think that they're just in a, you know, new year, new us, positive energy, bro. As long as we think po positive, uh, positive things, you know, it's, it's, it's like the people that believe in the law of attraction that you can just, you, you can just sit there and think all day and it's going to come to you, right? You can just sit there and think positively about Bitcoin and a bull market will be, uh, be here. That's not the case. You got to take action too. You got to clean up the fundamentals. I heard the XRP is proof of payment and can operate without the internet. How is that possible? Does anyone have an explanation of how that is possible? You are talking about proof of payment, which is XPOP. And Sean, that is a... Um, a feature on the XRP ledger is to send payments without an online connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that you do it through QR code scanning. And then basically when the network comes back online, it's, it, it all confirms back up. I believe that's how it works in a simplified version. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible that they were able to build that out for it. With QR codes, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Crypto is just taking money from others' families. 99% is, um, yeah. Jay says that is correct. Okay, yeah, thank you for confirming that, guys. Yeah, that's, I was trying to remember. It's QR codes, and basically when the network comes back on and we start validation again, the network balances out, basically. Do I have XRP healthcare yet? No, I got to look into it and I'll let you know what I think on it. I'll let you know what I think on it. Chris Larson made billions selling XRP. 
and um, Michael puts the throw up emoji. You know, I really think that people got to get rid of that mentality of if somebody else makes money, it's going to stop me from making money. And that, you know, basically because somebody else makes money, they're a bad person. These guys built out this whole ecosystem and have been a large part of getting us to where we are and a large part of where we're going to go, right? Now, um, is all of their compensation just? I I I don't know I don't I don't know enough to say whether or not it was all if it was the right amount of compensation but it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter what I think about Chris Larson having billions of XRP it doesn't matter to me or you it shouldn't it shouldn't it's not stopping you from building generational wealth it's not stopping you from investing in XRP I mean these guys created and built this whole thing and people get upset that these guys get rich in the process that's what happens when you bring value to the world, right? You make some money. Now, when we look at the real situation of the founders and who all got billions of XRP, the only guy who actually dumped on us was Jed McCaleb. So if we want to talk about any of these guys, whether it's right or wrong morally, Jed McCaleb is the only dude that we should be putting the crosshairs on because these guys ain't dumping on us. Yeah, they've sold some here and there. They're making some money. They're getting compensated for putting a debt in the universe, building a world reserve digital currency that's as liquid as a G10 currency, partnered up with over 400 banks and financial institutions, 60% of the transactions on RippleNet now going through XRP. And you guys are mad that Chris is rich. Grow up. Get your game up. Chris Larson's success isn't stopping you. Nobody's success is stopping you. There's just too much sentiment of, oh, woe is me. Other people are rich and I'm never going to make it. The bankers are never going to let us get rich. The bankers don't give a shit about you. But you do have an opportunity to buy the same assets that they're buying. Gold, silver, XRP, XLM. Or we can bitch and complain and, oh, woe is me. And, oh, man, that's so messed up that Chris got rich. Get your game up. Grow up. Let's get something done. Gregory DeRosa, five spot, massive session. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. On that pleasant note, I think I'm going to wrap up this session, guys. It's always a pleasure. Everything is over at my website, zachrector.com. Whether you want to buy crypto, store crypto, get you some precious metals, or get tapped in with our investment community, I would love to have you guys in there, okay? Get in there before Saturday, real estate session coming up, and you guys know the deal. We are going to keep it lit into 2023, a year that is going to shock the world. Let's make sure that you guys are all prepared. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. We'll see you in the next one.
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. And all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.